The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. If you are watching on YouTube, we go live at 1 p.m. every day of the week. You can join us on your lunch break or getting breakfast on the West Coast, I suppose, or, you know, in the middle of the night. If you're in uh, Europe, it's Thursday, March 31st, if you're watching on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast, the audio version came out on Friday, April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day to everyone there. The worst, the single worst holiday of the freaking year, particularly if you work in the NFL. Roy Williams retired last year on April 1st. Why why play with our emotions, sir? Uh, Anyway, we are going to do some draft needs. We got a lot of teams to get through, so let's dive right in. Joining me to break it down, Chris Trapasso and Josh Edwards. What's up, boys? Not too much. I mean, uh, April 1st is not only uh, April Fool's Day, but it is also the start of draft month. It is finally here. We get some meaningful conversation um, and actually get to put some realistic results to uh, these projections that we've been making for six months now. Will, I got to ask you, as an NC State guy, how do you feel about Uh, uh, the Final uh, uh, Four? uh, We're not, we're not, we're not. We're no, no Final Four talk? No, that's fine. This is Hell Week. We're not talking about (laughs) NC State. Figured. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Um, yeah, I just I can't. I'm I'm uh, I, I did see an article in the Wall Street Journal that was like it was really well done from a uh, national perspective, examining just how insane it is around here. Like people are people are losing their minds. It's it's I believe it. It's permanent bragging rights for one of those two fan bases, and an absolutely an end to an absolutely like. Sp- week of skullduggery for me if Carolina wins. I mean, quite frankly. Although I do have a 95 to 1 Carolina to win the title ticket that I bet. <laughs> At a pure of course you would. Yeah. Um yeah. No, I literally only bet it because I was like it's like all right, that number's too big. If they happen to run the table, at least I'll get some like cash rewards for my pain and suffering. That's that's yeah. all that's literally all that it was. Not not some sharp uh move. At any rate, like I said, we got draft needs. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Trying to tweet this out. Um, I was going to say something, but then I forgot. Uh, yeah, uh, Dominic in the chat says Duke minus four. I think Duke minus four is the play. I think Duke will win. Now you see traps. You suckered me into talking about it anyway. Um, Especially when I, there's betting involved. I knew you couldn't resist. I had on Sunday, Sunday in the span of like 
four hours. I mean, like we went and walked. We took a walk with our dog, my son, around this like you know nice little creek area, and I'm with my wife. And she's like, "Why are you being so short?" I had two golf outright bets that finished in second place. Um, I had Miami get knocked out of the NCAA tournament in my Calcutta. And then the heels waltzed into the final four. It was like, I, I, I was like, it was a, it was a bad scene on Sunday afternoon in my house. Like I'm just like moping around depressed. Um, and now Duke Carolina fun. All right, let's get to the AFC North and NFC North. Yes, that's right. We're not bringing in breach and Wilson to talk about the AFC North. We don't care about them. Like comment, subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple podcast. If you want you can leave a question for a future mailbag. Those will be coming out every Monday for the foreseeable future. And yes, we are uh, just under four weeks away from the draft. Insane. Let's start with the Ravens. They pick 14th in the first round. Uh, I'm just going because Josh is on the top, and that's where I'm looking. But Josh, uh, what, do, uh, what, uh, what do you think the most the biggest team needs are for the Ravens, and what prospect do you want to snipe from Trapasso here or Traps here? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, let's get right back to it. We'll just pick up where we left off last week. Um, you know, you look at the team needs for Baltimore, a linebacker, uh, edge rusher, um, cornerback could possibly be a need for this team after the Marcus Peters injury last year. They kind of showed their cards a little bit when they tried to sign Zedarius Smith. That obviously fell through. So edge rusher is certainly a need for this team. They brought Michael Pierce back uh, to bolster the interior defensive line. They still have Calais Campbell out there if they choose to bring him back. So there's some options they, they could still toss around. Bobby Wagner is a guy that has been mentioned as being of interest to the Ravens. So I still think they have some, some things to be done in free agency. Uh, but the front seven is really what I would look for um, for Baltimore. So you're sitting there in the middle of the first round. By, by the way, I just point out that um, on Wednesday night, Richard Sherman tweeted out something very uh, vague and like, he's like, BWAG's news coming soon. And then like, Everybody's like, oh my God, really? And then two hours later, he's like, oh, sorry, that's going to be a slight delay on that. Uh, but but so it's possible that in the time that this, if you're listening to the podcast, it's possible that Bobby Wagner is signed. He'd be signed by the Ravens and Josh looks like a genius. Uh, if not, just you know, carry on with your day. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, so we can assume that's not going to happen now. Um, you know, front <laughs> seven is, is an area that I would look for for the Ravens. You're looking at Jermaine Johnson II uh, from Florida State, an edge rusher that could possibly be what they are losing out was Zedaria Smith. You've got the Georgia defensive tackles, Devontae White and Jordan Davis. that could be options there for Baltimore in the middle of the first round as well. So those are a couple of guys that I'm looking at for the Ravens. All right, to not repeat, Josh, if we are going to go linebacker, I think the Ravens need someone who can cover. They picked Patrick Queen in, in the first round two years ago, uh, and he's been just dismal in coverage. He's a good blitzer. In that scheme, I think any linebacker is going to be set up for some kind of advantageous blitzing situations. The Kobe Dean, it feels like his, his stock is dropping a little. He hasn't been able to work out during the pre-draft process. Uh, we're not really sure how the league views Devin Lloyd. He could be an option. It's kind of that bigger player that I think the Ravens would like. So one of those two linebackers, I would not mind for the Ravens. But like Josh said, to kind of piggyback off him a little, uh, it's got to be something up front. I, I'm not the biggest advocate of picking even Jordan Davis this high, but because he plays nose tackle, if there's a team that would fit just kind of the mold of the type of player that he is, it would be the Ravens. So I, I wouldn't hate that, and I wouldn't give it an F on the draft tracker in real time. So N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, maybe one of those Georgia prospects would make the most sense for the Baltimore Ravens. 
Um, I'm, I'm chuckling because Bruce Arians is doing the retirement thing right now on uh, NFL Network on Thursday afternoon. He's got a freaking cigar in his shirt pocket. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like a drink. Oh, uh, dude, he's 100% having a drink and then smoking that cigar somewhere around the Bucks facility the second yes. the press conference ends. I mean, he's like, yeah, I mean, it's, that's not even that's not even up for, for debate. Um, anyway, let's move on to the Steelers. They're picking 20th in the first round. They are, by all indications, quite interested in the quarterback prospects. Uh, Kevin Colbert, I believe, was I, I know – Unless I miss somebody, he was the only GM at the NC State Pro Day, on uh, which I attended, by the way. If you have any questions, feel free to ask on uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's the only GM, but I could be wrong about that, at the UNC Pro Day on Monday. Because the owners' meetings were going on in, or in uh, Palm Beach, so virtually all of the GMs were down there even though Sam Howell was throwing. So maybe, maybe there could have been more. I could be wrong about that. But I do know that Kevin Colbert certainly like, – you know, it's like, look, I'm retiring. I'm not sitting around, you know, I'm not sitting around the breakers answering a bunch of questions about, you know, Mason Rudolph. No offense, traps. Um, I'm going to, um, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going up to North Carolina to check out some prospects because I do think he's going to draft somebody. Um, traps, what, uh, when you look at the Steelers, obviously quarterback is a need, even though they signed Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, what other team needs do you see for Pittsburgh? And uh, what prospects are a good fit for them at number twenty? Ryan Ryan Wilson doesn't think they'll trade up again. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I think it's. I don't think it's off the table at all. If they, if there's somebody they like, but the Devin Bush move sort of you know kind of burnt them. Yeah, I mean, I could see offensive line. Uh, although they they did invest in that position in last year's draft, uh, they've signed some players in free agency. I could see zion johnson who i know ryan wilson has been kind of banging the table for if he's there at 20 the offensive guard can really play any position center left tackle he's got the long arms uh he would be a nice fit in there but i i could see kevin colbert having kind of an ozzy newsome-esque departure and saying i want to leave this franchise that i've been with for so long and been so successful with with a quarterback so that to me feels like if it's for a quarterback i could see him saying hey we didn't have the best outcome with trading up for a linebacker in the 2019 draft but let's do that now to get someone like Malik Willis I thought it was cool and something that we don't see very often to hear Mike Tomlin say we're going to pick a quarterback I mean he didn't say in the first round but it feels like after round one especially in this draft if we're talking about the middle of round two like what quarterback would be there that would be a distinct upgrade from Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph. It just kind of feels like if they do it, they should do it in round one. I would not hate Desmond Ritter by any means, especially if he doesn't have to start immediately. Uh, But offensive line, if they don't go quarterback, but don't be surprised if they, if we start to hear more about them being very interested in moving up to draft Malik Willis. Yeah, Northern Iowa offensive tackle Trevor Penning is a guy that jumps out for Pittsburgh. When you think about the Steelers and what they have been traditionally, uh, that physical, tenacious type blocker, I think Penning would fit right in, you know, in terms of that culture. But I think that a trade-up is absolutely possible. And while they may have been burnt uh, in the Devin Bush trade, that was trading up for a linebacker. I mean, when you think about it on the surface, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, you traditionally don't value linebackers in the first round, and here they were trading up for one. So, um, you know, it's not too surprising that that came back to haunt them a little bit. Quarterback is entirely different. If you've got a strong conviction about a player and you feel that he's not going to be available 
and number 20 overall, then you absolutely make a move up the board and be aggressive to get that player. I mean, maybe number 10, which is where they moved up to get Devin Bush, is a landing spot for them again this year, in which case you've already got the framework of a potential trade laid out. And it's the Jets that hold that number 10 overall pick this year, which would be their second first round pick. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Is, is that possibly being a destination for Pittsburgh to trade up and get that quarterback? Uh, before we get too far removed from the Ravens, uh, toss up that uh, that uh, comment from uh, Vegas Refund in the chat, Debo. He asked about Jermaine Johnson. I, I bring it up because you had him mocked to the Ravens in your last uh, mock draft. The under keeps getting steam, but mocks have him in the 12-plus range. He's going from 10.5 to 9.5. You have him at going at 14, Josh, uh, to, to the Ravens. Do we think that there's a chance if – if we get Hutch and Walker one and two, and then Thibodeau goes to either the Jets or the Giants, is there a chance we see Jermaine Johnson go in that top 10 range? Or is he someone who could fall? Or like, What do we think the likelihood of him going as a top 10, top nine player? Because it keeps moving up. And generally, as we always note, these markets are very reactionary. They are not proactive. They don't have inside information. They react to mock drafts, news, rumors, et cetera. Like basically like, there's some dude working at the sports book you know, with Daniel Jeremiah's tweets on alert. And like, he's, he's just moving guys around. Right. And I think, you know, the reaction right now is what you just alluded to. It's the fact that Aiden Hutchinson could probably go number one overall and Trayvon Walker could be the number two overall pick in which case you have a run at the position. So teams are going to be more aggressive in trying to get up and get one of those remaining players, whether that is Jermaine Johnson, whether that is Kayvon Thibodeau, um, I know just, you know, I think Traps is in line with this as well, but I think how the, the league views Johnson is a little bit higher than how he and I personally view him. Um, it's not a significant gap, at least in my personal rankings, but there is a little bit of a gap there. But I do think when you're talking about the market and what could possibly play out, teams that need edge rushers are going to be motivated to possibly get up into the top 10 and get a guy like Johnson because – you know, the options are quickly dwindling if Hutchinson and Walker go one-two. See, I think Johnson, I, I'm trying to look at the teams that could pick him. I, I can't imagine him going to the Falcons or the Seahawks at eight or nine. I mean, I guess both those teams need an edge rusher, but it feels like there are greater needs for both of those organizations. I could see the Falcons much more prioritizing much more prioritizing wide receiver. Um, so to me, I, I feel like he'll go just outside the top 10, like to Minnesota at 12, maybe Houston at 13, if they don't pick Trevon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau at number three overall. Um, Detroit later in the draft. I, it just feels like uh, All right. the top 10 is a little too rich for him. Yeah, it's entirely possible that the top 10 is too rich for him from a just an objective standpoint. Here's I think yep. here's the scenario where it would play out. We all assume that the Texans and Jets and Giants want an offensive lineman or want, you know, Icky or Evan Neal. Yeah. But the reality is that the Jets invested a high first round pick in Makai Becton and have, you know, despite how poor, you know, his, he got hurt and his, you know, maybe weight issues and sort of maybe like attitude concerns potentially, like he's still an elite, a potentially elite left tackle who's a young guy and they're not going to give up on him. Um, the same, Larry Tunsil. A lot invested in Laramie Tunsil from a draft pick perspective and from a contract perspective. It's very possible that Houston, 
and and the Jets say, look, you know, we love Evan Neal, we love Icky, but we don't want to draft a right tackle or a guard at three or at four. And so if the I think in you know maybe Houston does it anyway, like Neal could easily go play right tackle for them as we point out. He played at Alabama, but if the Jets decided they're like maybe the Jets love Thibodeau, and they take Thibodeau at four. I think one of the Giants' picks might very well be Jermaine Johnson. But you know, I think the, I think at that point the Giants would go offensive lineman at five because you know Carolina might take the offensive lineman, although we they're blatantly taking a quarterback. And then you grab Jermaine Johnson at seven if that's where you wanted to take him. So I think that's maybe the scenario where it's just edge rushers are getting gobbled up and you you want one really badly and so you take one of the top guys. And I think one thing that helps here too, and it's probably why that number has moved down, is the uh, perceived slide for Kyle Hamilton, him running apparently in the four sevens at the Notre Dame Pro Day. Now, of course, all it takes is one team. He could go number two overall to the Lions. But I think removing one of those players that we had almost written in pen to be a top 10 pick is maybe someone that goes outside the top 10 or later in the first round. I think he's almost being replaced, so to speak, by Jermaine Johnson in terms of the betting odds of where he will ultimately be picked. Yeah, I'll say there's only one spot within the top 10 where we can say with any level of confidence that, uh, you know, an edge rusher is probably not going to go, and that's Carolina because we feel that they're probably more drawn to an offensive lineman or a quarterback. Um, So that's your reasoning for possibly getting Johnson into the top 10 as well. There's a scenario where Kayvon Thibodeau goes number three overall to the Texans. So then you're talking about edge rushers top three. Uh, you look at the Jets, the Giants, both of which could use an edge rusher. You know, again, movement is going to spur action. And I think if, you know, those three guys go in the top five picks, then it becomes – and I'm not even convinced that um, Kayvon Thibodeau goes before Jermaine Johnson at this point. I think there's a possibility mm-hmm. that he, he you know, uh, jumps over him. So I absolutely see a scenario in which he goes into the top ten it's just me personally working through these mock draft scenarios. I just I don't value him as highly as uh, what maybe some in the league do. Interesting. Uh, apparently, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, VR, good friend of the program, VR, uh, notes that uh, Daniel Jeremiah actually has moved uh, Johnson ahead of Thibodeau. That might be the impetus for the steam in the market too. Is that yeah? Like if 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 NFL teams and let's not forget if Daniel Jeremiah is moving him up and the Jets want an edge rusher, it's possible. And like, I don't think DJ's moving his stuff. Or I don't think he's moving guys around because he hears that, like, you know, Joe Douglas, who he's very good friends with, is is like like likes Jermaine Johnson. But I, I I would guess that if he's talking to Joe Douglas about prospects, which I would assume that he is, um, that he is going back and reviewing the tape, and maybe he's like, all right, you know, I do think this guy's better than Thibodeau, and so maybe Jermaine Johnson is that surprise at four for the Jets. Um, it, it, it does yeah, boil down to we talked about this. Um, with Wilson earlier in the week, I think, or no, no, no. I talked about this with Nick Costas on you better, you bet on Wednesday night. Every I, I'm, I've been spent way too minute, way too many minutes staring at this stupid camera and I like, can't remember where I said stuff. Um, but we pointed out that if the, what, and I know we're off track here, but it's fine. It's draft talk. Like what the jets do it for is so, so key for how the rest of the top 10 plays out. Because if they believe, if they really like Sauce Gardner, and they want to, let's say they want to come away with a cornerback and an edge rusher. And, I, and it's just hypothetically. If they like Sauce Gardner a lot better than Derek Stingley, I think they're a lot more likely to take Gardner at four and hope that one of the edge rushers drops to them at 10 because mm-hmm. you have the Giants who are only likely to take one. Panthers 
I mean, Scott Fitterer is bluffing about it. He's like, oh, you might take an edge rusher. It's like, no, you're not taking an edge rusher. You're taking a lineman or a quarterback, buddy. Like, stop. Um, and then, you know, like, I, I think one of those edge rushers is more likely to fall to them at 10 than Sauce Gardner is. So it's either, it's either like an edge rusher and then Stingley or, you know, Sauce and then maybe one of the edge rushers, if, if that makes sense. It's sort of why the edge rushers could get bumped up. Anyway. I don't know what I'm ranting about at this point. Uh, let's move on to the so, – all right, so let me ask you this. Right now you had to say yes or no. Do the Steelers draft a quarterback in the first round? Traps? I think so, yes. I think they will. Yes. Okay. Do they trade up for it, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, who, which let's see if that moves the line at all. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we have that kind of power. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, which, quarterback, <laughs> which quarterback, if you had to pick one right now? I'll say Malik Willis. Okay. I would say Malik Willis as well, but I also have in the back of my mind that it could be Desmond Ritter. Mm. No, they won't trade out for Ritter, they're right. I don't know. I mean, there's there's definitely more support for him than maybe what it seems outwardly. I think uh, you know, depending on who Pete's number two quarterback. Yeah, I mean, depending on who you talk to, some people believe that the accuracy issues that we have seen um, can be fixed. That it's you know a product of his footwork. Uh, in which case, you know, if he's working with a private quarterback coach and he has been since the season ended, uh, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to show improvement. And I think that's the advantage where a lot of these teams have is Desmond Ritter's probably taking top 30 visits to each of these teams that are interested in quarterbacks. And if they're seeing that his footwork has improved and you're not as concerned with the accuracy issues, then I think a lot of doors are open at that point. All right. Desmond Ritter getting draft heat. Love to see it. There gonna be more than four quarterback more than are there gonna be four or more quarterbacks taken in the first round? No, right? I think four. Four. You think it's four? I think it's four. What's the, the number under, set at right now? Under three and a half is minus two fifty right now. Whoa! Wow. Yeah. I mean, the logic being, if you look at it, Carolina. I mean, I feel like Carolina is just taking a quarterback. Like, there's no two ways about it. Unless, unless Neil or Icky is there for them and. Even then, I don't know if they can. I mean, the way Federer was talking yesterday. Um, maybe Saints. Steelers feel like they're definitely taking one, but who, who knows? I don't think the Falcons and Seahawks take one. So it kind of for me, it kind of boils down to um, do, do the Saints take one and do the Lions take one at 32 is sort of where I'm at with that. But, I mean, it, look, it could, be, it could be four. I think it maxes it four, but I, I, would, I would guess under that personally. Anyway, the Bengals aren't drafting a quarterback. They're definitely not drafting one at 31, which is a weird number to see next to the Bengals. Used to seeing a top five pick for them. Uh, Josh, when you look at their team needs, are we still just writing OL, 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 OL uh, across the board? Or have they solved enough of their line problems that we can look at other issues? I think they've done a great job at addressing the offensive line this offseason, adding Lyle Collins, adding Ted Karras, um, adding Alex Kappa. I mean, they've added some guys that are at least capable of playing those positions, you know, at a solid level. So I don't think it's an immediate need for this franchise. Um, now, if Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa was on the board at number 31 overall, I would absolutely still consider that because they are not heavily leveraged um, in Ted Karras and Linderbaum could be a guy that's there for a decade plus. So I would certainly consider that as an option. Otherwise cornerback defensive tackle or a couple of needs that I think uh, Cincinnati has going into um, this draft class, some of the guys that I've attached to them in the first round, um, Andrew Booth is a guy that, you know, I possibly like for Cincinnati at that stage of the first round. You've got Travis Jones, 
from UConn that some people believe could get into the first round. Logan Hall is a guy that I really like, a defensive tackle from Houston. So there's going to be some options for Cincinnati to um, address a position of need, regardless of whether or not that falls on the offensive line. All right, two other names. I think Josh hit the nail on the head with the positions. Two other names, cornerback, Kair Elam. He's super young, uh, multi-year starter in the SEC. A lot of man coverage ability. Gets a little grabby down the field, but I think if the Bengals do want to play a fair amount of man coverage, he kind of fits the mold. And Devontae Wyatt, if they want to go interior defensive line, I, I think they have the bodies up front. They just need more pass rushing ability from their defensive tackle position. They have the edge rushers and Sam Hubbard and trade. Hendrickson, they're getting back Joseph Osai, who they picked uh, last year, really explosive edge rusher out of Texas. He got hurt early in the season. So they just really need someone that can uh, draw attention on those passing downs. And to me, Devontae Wyatt is the best pure pass rushing defensive tackle in this class. Sorry. I, uh, a few seconds ago, Bruce Arians wrapped up his news conference as Buccaneers head coach, and he walked off the stage, and he stopped, and he went back up to the stage. And he goes, by the way, I just want to say, it's been great working with you guys locally and, of course, all over the country. And he starts to walk away and he comes back and he goes, oh, Florio, you can write whatever you want. It's okay. It's like just an absolute <laughs> firing a shot at PFT on his way out. It's, 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 it's good times. Uh, anyway, the uh, – <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Bruce Arians, one of a kind. Couldn't miss him. The – oh, I screwed up. I should have given traps the uh, Bengals since Josh is a Browns fan. But, um, yeah, what are you going to do? Screw up all the time around here. Uh, Traps, what do you think about the uh, the Cleveland Browns, their draft needs, and what they might target, or who they might target, excuse me, in the uh, 2023 NFL draft with their – oh, wait, they don't have any first-round picks. So, Josh, you wouldn't mm -hmm. care. Anyway. It's got to be wide receiver for Deshaun Watson. I like Sky Moore. I, I have a first-round grade on him. If you followed me anywhere on Twitter, read my articles at cbssports.com, you've probably read something about my draft love of the Western Michigan wide receiver – I'm not as high on Christian Watson from North Dakota State as really anyone, but he had a crazy workout at the Combine. He's 6'4". Uh, there's all upside with him. So if, if the Browns are saying, hey, we have a quarterback that can tap into that potential, uh, then let's pick Christian Watson in the second round. Defensive tackle and edge rusher. I think when the Browns had that pick inside the top 15, I went on a couple of Cleveland radio spots, uh, and they said it's got to be a wide receiver or edge rusher. And some names – uh, Arnold Ebicati from Penn State, Drake Jackson from USC, kind of polar end, polar ends of the spectrum in that Ebicati's a little shorter, smaller, more compact. I think he's more NFL ready. Drake uh, Jackson bulked up to over 270 pounds at the USC Pro Day, six foot four, was a huge recruit. Uh, the speed and bend around the corner is definitely there. He's just not great with his hands yet. Would be kind of like Christian Watson at wide receiver, a more upside selection. So either a wide receiver to help out Deshaun Watson there or just to shore up the front seven on that defensive line in Cleveland. Yeah, so Cleveland still has three picks in the top 100, so there's some opportunities there for them to improve the roster. Uh, Traps noted the wide receivers. I think that's absolutely a possibility. The defensive front seven, I think, is probably the biggest need right now. I think if I had to guess, Cleveland will probably be active in adding a couple, you know, at least one, possibly two, free agent wide receivers. Um, so I think by the time the draft arrives, they're probably going to be looking defensive front seven uh, and specifically the defensive tackle and edge rusher positions. Jackson is a guy that I'm probably a little higher on than most because I don't think USC used him properly. I think there was a lot of untapped potential with him there 
in Los Angeles. So I think his best football is still ahead of him. Um, Travis Jones, who I've already mentioned, Logan Hall are a couple of guys that could be in the mix for Cleveland. Uh, and then as you get into later day two, uh, Matthew Butler, who I mentioned on the AFC NFC podcast last week from Tennessee is a guy that could be of interest to Cleveland. And then Joshua Pascal and the edge rusher from Kentucky is a guy that could be in the mix as well, because Cleveland um, has been looking for kind of an edge setting defense attack or defensive end rather opposite Miles Garrett. And I think Pascal is a guy that certainly fits the bill. Love it. Um, Josh did again, I, this is just a me thing. I've been talking too much. Um, did we, have we, have we talked to you since the, have we talked since the Watson trade? Like we, we could have talked seven times and I, I could be like, I don't, I can't remember anything. Like I can't remember. I can't remember when Watson got traded. I can't remember. Like I couldn't remember what day Tom Brady came out. This, the last three weeks have just been insane. No, I get it. I get it. We did. We did touch on it briefly last week. Um, honestly, I don't remember the nature of the conversation <laughs> either at this point. Um. Well, I, guess I was going to ask you, how do you feel about the, one, how do you feel about the trade itself? I mean, I, like from a football perspective, it's a no, you know, it's not a not an issue. I'm just curious. Like, I know like there are some Browns fans who are like, I know you don't have to be out, but some Browns fans are like, I'm I'm out. You know, even like Mark like, Sessler. Yeah, Mark Sessler, exactly. Sessler is yeah. like, I, I think I'm out on the Browns, even though he's been a torture Browns fan his whole life. I'm just curious how and and then too, like for the football conversation of it, um, the the compensation portion. I'm curious how you whether you like the Browns doing that because I mean it's a lot of draft picks and like if you know, I mean you're giving up what 13 this year and might I mean could end up giving up a top half of the draft pick next year you know it's, I don't know it's a lot yeah the off-field stuff is um you know something that I'm still personally working through I kind of sure. haven't resolved my you know emotions in regards to that yet um I'm probably I didn't taking put more... you on the spot with that one but I mean like that's no. like that's a perfectly reasonable answer by the way it's like I don't know how to I mean, as a Browns fan, like, how am I supposed to process this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've been asked several times, so I, it's not like it was so much on the fly that I had to answer. I mean, I've been dealing with this, you know, for a couple of weeks now, so um, I'm probably taking a little bit more of a calculated approach to it. Um, you know, I know in today's society, it's it's easier to make a quick judgment, but, you know, taking some time to work through that. From a fir- uh, football standpoint, you know, in terms of draft compensation, I think it was perfectly fair. Um, you know, we saw what Russell Wilson was just traded for. I mean, Cleveland has already traded, uh, you know, allowed Houston to acquire Deshaun Watson. So you could factor that into the actual trade. And if you eventually trade him when he's, you know, in his 30s, you could probably recoup the entire, um, you know, terms of the deal that that you uh, had to give up for Deshaun Watson. So I don't I'm not I'm not conflicted about the draft compensation of what it took financially, the $230 million guaranteed. That's a lot. You know, I mean, he's a guy that has been removed from football for over a year. um, And it's going to alter how you make other football decisions. I mean, you've got Denzel Ward coming up for a contract here shortly. Uh, Mm -hmm. Amari Cooper is going to, you know, count $20 million against the salary cap each of the next two years. If you continue um, to employ him. So they're going to have to be very, I think diligent about how they use their salary cap over the next couple of years. So that they're in an, an advantageous position to continue continually capitalize on the intrigue of possibly playing with a guy like Deshaun Watson. Dig it. Good answers. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the NFC North and what they might do. A lot of draft. I think there's a lot of draft, but yeah, four first round picks. I know, I guess actually 
five first-round picks for the NFC North. What will they do with them? We'll tell you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Detroit Lions, pick number two overall and 32nd as well as a result of the Matthew Stafford trade with the Rams. When you look at this team, Traps, what um what what are their what are their biggest needs? I mean, I think two is like the quarterback question at two is really, really fascinating. And at 32, and like the Lions kind of dictate if we assume Aiden Hutchinson goes one, the Lions essentially dictate how the rest of the top 10 is gonna play out with their selection. How do you think what what do you think the Lions need and, and which prospects could they be targeting? Okay, if I'm Brad Holmes, the Lions GM, I'm picking a quarterback at two way before I'm picking one at 32. And that's just not just because how those picks align. Because at 32, even if you have an inkling or, or think that Sam Howell might be good down the road, Matt Corral, the chances that he's going to end up being that much better than what you have in Jared Goff, I think is relatively small compared to what you could get with Malik Willis at two. Now, I've been on the uh, Willis bandwagon since like January. So I, I may be a little biased with this, but I just think if you're picking – inside the top three or top five, and you like your quarterback that you have as a starter, kind of a stopgap, but you have a, a possible franchise changer, you don't know and don't really want to be picking inside the top three in the near future. And if you are, you might not have a job if you're a GM. So I think it's got to be Malik Willis at two, wide receiver later, um, and then just looking at their entire roster, it's got to be something on defense. I think their offensive line for being a bottom tier team is not really that bad. I like what Amon Ross St. Brown did obviously last year out of the slot. They still need to add that position. Jeffrey Akuda is kind of a mystery at this point to be a number three overall pick, terrible rookie season, and then tears his Achilles early in his second year. They could go corner. They could go edge rusher. They don't really have anything at that position. Defensive tackle, linebacker. I know I've mocked Nicobe Dean to them at 32 quite often if he falls a little bit. But to me, it's almost – not a no-brainer, but very close. That if they like Malik Willis, it would be the perfect scenario on Dan Campbell's team to sit behind Jared Goff, maybe halfway through or two-thirds of the way through his rookie season, maybe his entire rookie season, he's on the bench and then takes over for Jared Goff eventually. Let's say you, Josh. You think and look, I don't disagree at all. If you are that high on Malik Willis, because he ain't making it to 32, right? No. Like if you were that high on Malik Willis and you believe it with a year on the bench. And, like, I do think the Lions will be stable enough, which sounds exactly like a stupid way to start a sentence. Uh, <laughs> like, I do think the Lions oh, I know what will you mean. Be, no, maybe, like, I, I think the Lions will be patient. Like, like um, 
Chris Spielman has ownership and management's ear, and he is aligned with Dan Campbell. And so I think that this team will be patient enough with the coaching staff and with the development of a quarterback and the off and the offensive staff that if they want to sit Malik Willis for a full year, they'll just play Jared Goff and it won't be a big deal and they won't worry about rushing Malik Willis out there. Um, do you think two is a good spot for Willis, Josh? Uh, or are you eyeing other prospects that fit for the Lions? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like Detroit's roster on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they still need to upgrade the wide receiver position, but in terms of situations that Malik Willis could walk into, that's far from the worst. I mean, he could absolutely do worse, um, you know, based on – being able to sit behind Jared Goff for a year, he's got a good offensive line. You've got some good, you know, offensive skill talents um, with T.J. Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown. So there are absolutely worse situations that he could walk into. Now, I think it is a bit uncomfortable because I don't, I don't value him that highly. Um, but at the same time, if the team has a conviction that he is that type of player, then you absolutely have to take him at number two overall. You may take a little bit of heat in the moments. Um, but if it works out, it's not going to matter. Nobody's going to fault you for giving up the number two overall pick if it works out. You know, I think back to John Dorsey when he was the general manager of the Browns. It was not popular that he chose Baker Mayfield number one overall, but he did because he had a conviction about the players. So if you have a similar conviction about uh, and John Dorsey's with Detroit. That's why that's relevant. But that was not a Baker Mayfield worked out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so if you have a conviction about the player, then take him at number two overall, by all means. Uh, if you don't go in the direction of a quarterback, for me, I think, you know, Cincinnati's Ahmad Gardner is the top overall prospect for me right now. And, you know, I say that with the, in, in the whole draft. In the whole draft. Yeah. I oh, mean, nice. I just, I love him, but you know, at the same time, I say it with the caveat that I wish I could start my rankings at number three this year instead of number one, because I think we just missed that top overall talent the yeah. way that we've seen in previous years. Um, so I don't think Detroit would take a corner that early, but I would definitely be intrigued to take a cornerback early on day two, maybe late day one. Um, and then some other guys that could possibly be of interest, Trayvon Walker, the, the edge rusher from Georgia, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, if if he's still available, is going to be probably a home run for Detroit. Yeah. The, the Sauce Gardner thing, too, is really interesting because you just don't see cornerbacks taking that high, and you can make the argument about positional um, value and, and whatnot. But, like, if – and I agree with you on the top end talent. Like you, you that's a great point. It's a great line. You should be, you should be using that anytime you like talk anywhere. It's like, I wish I could start my rankings at three because, but like if, if, if that class, if, and I, again, I agree with you and we'll see how it bears out in you know a couple of years, if that's actually the case and there isn't top end talent, but like, if that's the case, I don't think anybody should be afraid to take a cornerback earlier than normal. If you could, like, if, if you think sauce Gardner is the best player on the board and you would take him at five, but you wouldn't take him at two, but you're not thinking with your head on straight, right? I mean, if you're you're like, well, we're at two, so we have to take Malik Willis or Kayvon, you know, like Kayvon Thibodeau or uh, Walker because, you know, because you can't take a cornerback in the top five. People said that stuff when the Colts drafted Quentin Nelson, right? And he is a perennial all-pro and a difference maker on their offensive line. So if you can get an elite player who you believe is great, screw positional, like, for, you know, value or whatever. I'd just take him there, so... I think, I think that's something, especially in this particular draft. Um, moving along, the Green Bay Packers. 
picking 22 and 28 in the first round after trading Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders. We can, uh, Josh, we can, you know, we can talk about other needs if you want, but clearly wide receiver is a pretty big need for this team. It's a huge need. I mean, I actually had a mock draft go up this morning. You know, we talked about it before the podcast. Uh, They took two wide receivers in the first round. Is that a little bit of overkill? Perhaps, you know, but when you consider what this organization has gone through with Aaron Rodgers over the past. I mean, is it overkill? I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, like, like their wide receivers are currently Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Rico Gafford, Malik Taylor, and Jawan Winfrey. And Chris, Bla- someone named Chris Blair. So. Yeah, so there's opportunities where you could take a wide receiver on day two and possibly conserve, you know, that second first round pick and, um, you know, take another position of need. But I don't see anything wrong with them taking two wide receivers. I know it may not be, um, you know, the most accepted in every circle, but I think that's, you know, a very possible route that they take. Edge rusher is a position that. You know, you lose it, Arius Smith, but you've got Rashawn Gary stepping into a larger role um, opposite Preston Smith. So, you know, you don't have an immediate need there the way that maybe you would have expected a year ago. Um, they've got some stuff to sort out on the offensive line, offensive tackle. Maybe you take another tight end, um, you know, defensive tackle. Like this team has some needs, but I think far and away, wide receiver is the biggest need. So I'm looking at Ohio State's Chris Olave, um, Arkansas's Traylon Burks. I don't think Jamison Williams is going to be there even at number 22 overall, but if he is, I'm running the card in. Uh, I think that highly of him as a prospect. Uh, you've got other guys, Jahan Dotson from Penn State. You've got um, you know, George Pickens from Georgia, Christian Watson, who, like Traps, I don't see him as a first-round type guy. Uh, but there are going to be teams that are willing to bank on that potential early in this draft uh, because of what he did at the NFL Combine. I mean, his testing was elite. I don't think you can say in any other way that what he did in Indianapolis was not enough to raise eyebrows. That's going to draw attention across the league. So wide receiver is a huge need. Wouldn't be surprised if they take two in the first round. Um, uh, Traps, in, in his dra- in his mock, uh, Josh had the Packers taking Chris Olave out of Ohio State and Traylon Burks. If you were – I'm curious. One, you know, talk about how those – like. I guess I'm wondering if if they do go two wide receivers in the first round. And, I I mean, I don't think it's outrageous at all after trading Devontae Adams. And, I mean, like, you don't really have a whole lot of other resources. You know, you could go sign somebody like Odell Beckham to maybe help you out when he comes back from the ACL tear and all that. But there's just not a whole lot of resources out there to get wide receivers right now. Um, If you were drafting two wide receivers, how would you try to pair them up? Like, you know, would you want to get like a, you know, is there, are there two wide receiver? And maybe the answer is Burks and, and Alave, but you know, what, what combo would you be looking for with those first round picks? You know, do you want to get like a, a big body guy, you know, an Alave type? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah, I think Josh really nailed it there. And it, it does seem kind of preposterous that a team would double up at the same position wide receiver in the first so. round, but it, but yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Definitely to get a route running specialist in Chris Olave, who's very good tracking the ball down the field. And then someone in Traylon Burks or maybe Drake London, if he runs slow at the USC Pro Day, that's a bigger body that's going to win after the catch because he can absorb tackle attempts and continue forward down the field. So to add kind of a multi-layered element to this receiver group, like you mentioned, Will, that you read off those names, that room is not very good right now. To me, that was the craziest trade the craziest transaction of this entire offseason that was like 
you repay or you bring back Aaron Rodgers, you pay him $50 million per year. And then a week later, you trade the probably the best receiver in football. That made no sense to me. So if they want Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, uh, route running specialist, bigger body guy, that would be actually smart drafting by the Green Bay Packers that have had kind of some questionable draft classes over the past couple seasons. Here's why I say that is not overkill. It's simply because when you look at Green Bay's offense, specifically the passing game in recent years, what has been their passing game? It's the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. He's not going to have that immediately with any one wide receiver. Um, you know, you could make the argument with Randall Cobb, but Cobb is just not at the point in his, in his career where he's going to take on that workload. So you have to find other ways to counterbalance that loss of production. And I think by taking two wide receivers, you're taking pressure off that other guy to be a Devontae Adams type player a guy that's going to have to carry the offense, get two guys in there that are going to be able to work off each other and be productive for Aaron Rodgers. And maybe you're talking about um, a situation where Aaron Rodgers is willing to play another five years. And I, I point this out all the time on this podcast, so I don't want I'll, I'll try to keep it short. But like when we did the stream in 2020 of FFT Twitch stream with Jordy Nelson, we asked, we we're like, what's like, why won't these guys in you know, there? They just drafted Jordan Love. It's like, why won't the Packers draft a core, a, a wide receiver in the first round? Like, what's the deal? And he's like, you know, like they, they want to, like, they don't basically sort of the same. They don't want to, they like the Aaron Rodgers likes guys who he has a rapport with. And he wants them to have understand that when, like, when he does that little spin out, when he goes through his progressions, what he wants them to do is do a secondary break and they sort of freestyle. Yeah, this secondary break and it's you can only get there through reps and reps and reps and reps and that's why these guys that they took in the second round who didn't have to be the guy out of the gate but were able to come up like you know jordy nelson came up under greg jennings greg jennings came up under donald driver Devonte came up under jordy and eventually you get that rapport and you're able to do it so that is the concern with these if you go the first round route but they're so thin at wide receiver that i almost feel like you do need to take two because it's just like, you know, any, you, you can have a confident grade on any draft pick and you can never know that they're going to work out. Like Olave might not work out with Aaron Rodgers. So you just simply, like, I just think taking more shots is, is the right move for the Packers. And if they like two guys there, I, I love the idea of taking two. Yeah. And it's not the same thing. Cause it was later in the draft, but in that 2018 draft class, they drafted Marquez Valdez Scantling and, Equinamia St. Brown and I think back-to-back -back rounds or fourth and fifth round something like that or fifth and I think they even picked Jermon Moore they picked three receivers in that draft kind of doing exactly what you said Will like let's just roll the dice on these three guys MVS was the only one of those day three selections that ultimately became solid but if they do that with two wide receiver selections in round one they're at least maximizing the chances of at least one of them becoming that number one wide receiver at the twilight of Aaron Rodgers career. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's get to the Chicago Bears, the final team in this. Oh, we missed the Vikings. I skipped over the Vikings. So let's get to the Minnesota Vikings. I knew we missed something. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are picking 12th in the first round. Traps, since I forgot who I asked about the Packers. What do you think about I'm, – I'm really – I need a vacation. Uh, what do you think about the Minnesota Vikings prospects – uh, what do you think about the team needs and what prospects fit for them to draft at 12th overall? Okay, on all things covered, Patrick Peterson uh, reported that he was coming back to the Vikings himself. He was his own insider. And he mentioned that he would like the Vikings to pick Derek Stingley. I mean, that's not that Patrick Peterson has any say in the war room on draft night, but pairing the two LSU 
former standouts there, I think would make a lot of sense. We haven't seen a lot of Derek Stingley over the past 18 months on the football field. He's been injured. Uh, corner, edge rusher seem to be the two most obvious priorities for them. And I don't think wide receiver is completely out of the question, given the age of Adam Thielen. You have a superstar in Justin Jefferson, uh, but to get a, a younger player that will help get the most out of Kirk Cousins, they extended him again this offseason kind of weirdly. Uh, someone like Jamison Williams, where they maybe would say, hey, we have our one and two. If you can play in November when we're trying to make a wild card push, we're fine with that. So I, I would be okay with wide receiver, but someone like Derek Stingley, I'm not in love with Jermaine Johnson, but I would understand it because they do, or they could use kind of that project uh, kind of long-term view at the edge rusher spot, even though they have Danelle Hunter and signed Zadarius Smith. But it's crazy with Derek Stingley that a month or two ago, he was considered a top five prospect. Haven't really seen him on the field. Hasn't done anything during the pre-draft process. He could be there at 12. I think that would be great value yeah. for Minnesota at a position of need. He could easily be there at 12, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I feel oh, like, yeah. I feel I like he's going Josh, to be. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Josh in this pro in the pro the draft process, just really over the last, it sort of reminds me of um, maybe David Amerson coming out of NC State. Remember when he was like going to be the top five? It's like, oh, he's a top yeah. five lock. And then Cordero Patterson turned him into a piece of burnt toast on the first <laughs> weekend, and, and he, he fell to the second round, I think. But like, it Stingley won't fall that far. But if you talk about like the two biggest losers in the draft process over the past six months have to be uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Derek Stingley, if we believe that the these drops are real, right? Yeah, it's probably in line with a Derwin James situation. You know, a guy that's probably a top five talent overall when healthy, uh, but because of those injury concerns, he slides a little bit farther than maybe what was anticipated uh, when they declared for the draft. Um, I believe I had Minnesota taking Derek Stingley in my mock draft today. Uh, it's again, we're back on track because Traps mentioned the two guys that I had written down. We had uh, <laughs> Derek Stingley and Jermaine Johnson. Because uh, it seems like the Vikings have decided that they're going to push back a rebuild, that they're going to try to be competitive for a year or two. Um, I think Stingley is more, you know, impactful in the short term. Uh, Jermaine Johnson is a guy that, you know, could be more of a long term play, works into a rotation immediately um, and is the eventual replacement for Daniil Hunter or Zadarius Smith. So those are the two most common scenarios that I've been working through uh, as it relates to Minnesota. Uh, but because Trap stole my two in the first round, I will give a couple <laughs> of day two prospects that they could possibly consider. And that is uh, Christian Harris, a linebacker from Alabama. And uh, working back to Traps, it's his guy, Boise State wide receiver Khalil Shakir, mm, to him. possibly be that guy that takes over for Adam Thielen and plays opposite Justin Jefferson. I dig it. Um, I actually thought I had Stingley going to the Vikings in my mock, but I went Jermaine Johnson and then had Stingley going to the Texans at 13. I think you could, you know, obviously. Either team. Earlier. Yeah, I mean, Stingley, like, I, I sort of wonder how much input or info Pat P would have. I mean, obviously pretty far removed from, you know, like 10 years apart, but you sort of wonder – I mean, I would assume he's still able to, you know, they've, uh, they've worked out together. We had Stingley on the all things covered over the summer. Um, I, I, if I just say something about the Eagles or Carson Wentz, I expect the, the God, the, the voice, right? of, the voice of, Wizard of Oz. pop in. I forgot it was Pat Peters on. All you don't expect stuff. me to talk about my favorite podcast. I, 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 again, I'm not thinking correctly. 
Um, yeah, they they have a relationship. I mean, Pat went back to work out with Derek Stingley and kind of work out against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, Justin Jefferson has that tie to to Derek Stingley. They worked together for that that title. Oh, that's true. right. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So, I mean, if I would actually even argue that if those guys believe Stingley is like like legit that he's just getting sort of a bad rap because of the injuries and and you know because of the you know obviously 2020 was a weird year uh well, i guess no wait did the did the lsu lsu won the title in 2019 yeah because yeah that's right yeah and then like 2020 was a weird year like maybe maybe you didn't have to play your best on the field that's okay we'll, we'll cut you some slack um you could potentially look at just depending on what I guess what the Jets do at like where Sauce Gardner goes, maybe Minnesota is even a possibility to trade up and grab Stingley if they you know if they're worried that I don't know the sea, I, who knows what the hell the Seahawks will do at nine. Uh, but if 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 like the Jets go pass rusher at four, maybe they think all right Seattle's willing to trade down. Let's move up and and swap with Seattle and get ahead of the Jets if in case they're trying to get Stingley at ten. I don't think that's a a crazy notion. So. Maybe keep that in mind if you're if you're betting Stingley over unders. All right, let's get to the final team of the podcast: the Chicago, the aforementioned briefly Chicago Bears, who have no first round draft pick because they gave it up for Justin Fields. They have been dumping talent left and right. Josh, not a lot to work with here. What um, what team needs wise? You can probably come up with a bunch of things. And, and what are some, I guess, day two prospects that they could look at because day one ain't happening. Yeah, and you know, talking about the the scenario with Minnesota and the Jets, I think those are the types of trades we're going to see this year. Um, those trades in the teens where you move up, you know, a couple of spots, five spots, to get ahead of another team that may be interested in a player that you really want. Because I don't think it's going to take as much to move up this year as maybe what we would have seen in the past. Uh, so those are the type of moves that I would expect, and I think it's probably going to be more active than most people expect for that very reason. Um, specifically, you know, for the Bears, you lose Cleo Mack, uh, you lose Danny Trevathan, Eddie Goldman is gone, Akeem Hicks is gone. You're totally renovating that front seven on defense to where it's, you know, the, the Will Smith meme where he's, you know, in fresh prints in his, his living room looking around and nobody else is there. Um, that's what's happening in Chicago right now with Roquan Smith because it's entirely different around him. So I look at that team. Um, you've got defensive tackles in need, edge rusher is in need, uh, wide receiver is a huge need, offensive tackle, center, offensive guard. Like you've got to totally remake that offensive line, especially after Ryan Bates returned to Buffalo on that matched offer sheet. I mean, I think what Chicago needs to do, because they're not going to be able to do everything this offseason. I think what they need to make an emphasis on doing is surrounding Justin Fields with talent on the offensive side of the ball. Do not waste two years of his career. Do not allow him to be lacking in confidence after this upcoming season because you have not done enough to support him. That's what we've seen with other young quarterbacks in the past like Sam Darnold. So use those day two picks to your advantage. Use it to support Justin Fields. Get a wide receiver, whether that's George Pickens from Georgia, Christian Watson uh, from North Dakota State, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, you know, Jahan Dotson, if he lasts until number 39 overall, go get him. Um, offensive line, Daniel Falele from Minnesota. Like, that's got to be your absolute priority is getting some guys to help Justin Fields have some success on offense this year. 
Okay, we're even because that's pretty much what I was going to say in terms of philosophy. <laughs> that, that, that I don't really care about the Bears defense. You did a great job listing all the guys that are just gone from this once vaunted defense in 2018. It's pretty incredible. But I get what Ryan Poles is doing. He wants to just rebuild. They have like $130 million or somewhere around there. Uh, next season to spend it in free agency. Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, would make a lot of sense. Max Mitchell from Louisiana uh, can play right tackle right away. It, it has to be those first couple selections, regardless of where they are, round two, round three, later on, be on the offensive side. I think they could kind of shy away from the smaller, speedier types, especially early, because they already have Darnell Mooney. He's one that feels like will be a part of this rebuild given that he's still very young. So George Pickens from Georgia, who's around six foot three, I think would make sense to, to be on the outside after losing Allen Robinson. If you like Christian Watson, uh, Vellis Jones Jr. from Tennessee can kind of be that yards after the catch guy. He's a little bigger. Maybe even Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, who's kind of like uh, a lesser version of Christian Watson and that he's big. He tested well, and to me, his film isn't superb yet, but is more of a long-term type of talent at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, I mean, Darnell Mooney's like a... He's good. Oh, yeah, he's like arguably like the Bears' fourth best player. <laughs> which is not, I mean, which is... He's good. He is good. He's definitely good, but that's sort of... and that's in, It's like Justin Fields, Roquan Smith, uh, Jalen Johnson. Oh, yeah. Who, who are you going to go with? No, I was going to say David Montgomery. You had a pretty good season. Yeah, I think year. Mooney might be... But like running fourth. backs, but running backs are running yeah. backs. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. Mooney might be like fourth. Bears he team. is. Bears over under seven, by the way. I saw it. Uh, I think Caesars released it. All right. I mean, wow. Caesars might have put it out at six and a half. You'd rather have seven if you can find it, but that's I like that under a lot. Uh, all right. We stayed under an hour. Didn't quite get to 45, but that's okay. So good chat. And it's my fault. I derailed it for 10 minutes, and then Devo had to talk about all things covered. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, follow him at uh, Chris Trapasso on Twitter. Follow him at uh, EdwardsCBS. Make sure and read their mock drafts. Tons of draft coverage, and we will talk to you guys uh, soon for some more draft needs. Thanks as always uh, for Josh and Traps. I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.